This is WSFI Spotlight, a conversation with Catholics living in the light. Hello and welcome to this episode of Spotlight. I'm your host, Angela Tomlinson, and with me today is Father David Austin. Father David is the pastor of St. Mary Church in the Diocese of Rockford, which is in McHenry, Illinois. He is a graduate of Mount St. Mary Church in Emmitsburg, Maryland, and he's been a pastor at St. Mary Church for five years. So welcome, Father. Thank you, Angela. Glad to have you, Father. Good to be so, here. So before we get started, Father, would you mind leading us in a prayer? Love to. Why don't we put all this in the, in the hands of our dear Blessed Mother? Why don't we uh, pray memorare uh, together? So in the name of the Father, Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought your intercession, was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly to thee, O Virgin of Virgins, my Mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know, it's Amen. wonderful to have priests that have a devotion to the Blessed Mother. Thank you. And you ended up in her parish, in St. Mary's I, Parish. I have. I've been, now this is the second parish I'm, as a pastor, uh, to to uh, to be in her patronage, if you will. So this one, which is founded on the, the date of the Assumption, and then my previous parish was Immaculate Conception. So I find that really interesting. Yeah, uh, so she, and, she and has powerful. you. So, yes. Yeah, she definitely has me. Yes. Yeah, she definitely does. So, so Father, tell us a little bit about uh, your background, your parents, and, um, and your journey. I'd love to, yeah. So as I, tell, as I tell my story, of course, I'm well aware that my story is not just my own. It's a product of my family and ancestry, and uh, we're like all of us. It's a very, very complex story for all of us. So, but let me talk a little bit about my parents. Um, well, they, right now they live in Rockford, Illinois. Uh, they've been married for over 50 years now, going on 51. Wow. Very, very strong, yes. Uh, let me start with my mom. My mom grew up in Rockford. She is one of eight children. And so she went to the uh, Catholic school there in Rockford, St. Edward. And they were, they were a poor family. Um, but they were all sent to the Catholic school there. Uh, grandma and grandpa weren't that much practicing. We found out later on after grandpa died that he, he ended up having a conversion and became a part of the Blue Army. And so there was that part of him that we found out more later. Uh, but the, the Catholic part of the family re really wasn't there, I think, like with my dad's side and with much of my mom's ancestry. But. Interestingly enough that my great-grandfather, on my mom's side, uh, one of the things that he asked his son, who would be my grandpa then, is to promise to raise his kids Catholic, which included my mom and her seven brothers and sisters. So even though grandma and grandpa were only practicing themselves, they sent the kids to the Catholic school. Why I, why I say that? Because that's where my mom really fell in love with Jesus uh, and Mary. She, she was taught by, I think, Dominican nuns. Uh, she was taught by nuns. And she was one who had a good experience and really did enjoy them. And so that, that would affect her whole life. She, would, she talks about walking home from school, uh, just talking to Jesus, 
and talking to Mary and having that devotion from a child. So she's always had that. Wow. Uh, so she's never left that. She's constantly growing. She's been a part of the church in so many different ways, so many different uh, ministries, if you will, that she's been a part of. She actually at one point began the Catholic Women's Conference in Rockford that ran for a number of years. It doesn't, it's discontinued now, but she helped to to get that going. And she is a retired nurse, so she brings that aspect too of healing. And so that's been a big part of the family. Now, a little bit about dad. Uh, dad did not grow up Catholic, but he grew up as a good Christian. Uh, he was born in Tennessee, so we like to joke about that sometimes. He brings that sort of uh, southern hillbilly part to the family, if you will, in a, in a fun way. Uh, and it really is kind of fun. But so he still has relatives down there, uh, down in Savannah, Tennessee area. But they moved up, Grandma and Grandpa moved up with the kids uh, to the Chicago area. And my dad, with his brother and sister, ended up basically growing up at Mooseheart in Batavia, Illinois. Uh, some people might be familiar with that, with the Moose Lodge and all the work of the Loyal Order Moose, <laughs> so forth. Uh, but for different reasons, Grandma battled mental illness throughout her life, so she was not really capable at that point of raising a family. So they grew up there. But that was providential because Dad learned so many different things there, and he had a very well-rounded, excellent education from Mooseheart. And Dad was an exceptionally gifted guy. Um, he's an artist. He's a musician. He's a mathematician. He was valedictorian of his class. Uh, he would go on to be a math teacher for a few years before he married Mom. Then he would get into computer programming with the uh, Rockford School Board. And so he would have that for the rest of his career. So very talented guy. Uh, he still plays. Uh, he plays the trombone. And you play. So. You mentioned earlier that you play the piano. Yes, I did. And I well, and but uh, not to leave mom out of this. Okay, she loves music. She's a great patron of of the musical arts. In fact, both dad and mom have been or were a part of the choir at our home parish in St. Edward for many many years until that discontinued. Uh, but anyway, so so dad he had a good Christian education and brought that in. And they met, like this is always kind of, I always, and so I always like to ask couples when I meet with them where they met and how they met, because I always think that's fascinating. Because I think of my own story. Uh, it's one of those things, for those of you who are familiar with the, uh, the movie, It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. That, that scene where George Bailey and Mary Hatch, they meet each other after several years, right? And it's sort of like, ah, their eyes meet. The way mom and dad tell the story, it's kind of like that. Mom actually went with another guy. Uh, dad went by himself, or he went with a group of guys like Stag, that they call it, or whatever. But he ended up meeting her, and the way he tells it, it's like he walked over and says, where you been all my life? Wow. So he, he was, he's several years older than, than she. And so they ended up meeting and dancing. And uh, this is the funniest thing, that mom ditched the guy she went with, and dad drove her home. And dad went home to where he lived in the apartment, and the, I think he told the landlord or, the, or whoever was there, he said, I think I met the woman I'm gonna marry. So he knew, mom was a little more resistant, I think. So they, he knew when the first day, it wasn't even a date. It wasn't a date. <laughs> he, he stole her. Because really the the family is the seedbed of these, of of vocations and 
family I grew up with, I would say, really was a kind of domestic church. Like St. Paul, John Paul II often spoke about. Again, not a perfect home, but we had a good Catholic home, and we participated in Mass every Sunday. Mom and Dad were very involved with many different things at the church, as I was sharing a little bit about. Took us to devotions. I was, I often like to share this story that they would they went to or they took us all four of us uh, to the Stations of the Cross every Friday. Dad would get home, and we'd have a, kind of a hurry up dinner, and then we'd rush off. But uh, in when he made the list, he did this sort of scribbling thing when he paid the bills. Right, this funny thing before we got all the technical stuff on all of the, you know, the softwares now. But he wrote all this stuff down. And he put the Lord in capital letters, 10%. And together with my mom, they made that promise, or he asked her actually to go along with him to make that pledge that they would always give 10% back. Now, they said there were certain times when things got really hard that maybe they, they softened that a bit, you know, maybe not quite exactly 10, but they pretty much kept with that. And mom, as the Catholic, which I think is really funny, said, well, that might be a little bit too much. I think that's going to push it a little bit too far. But dad, as the non-Catholic coming in, said, no, we really need to do this. It's the right thing to do. So mom agreed to that. And, you know, the promise is, is blessing, which is different than, than prosperity sometimes so they're while they have always had enough sometimes they've had to scrimp and save like everybody else but they've always had enough but god has blessed them in many other ways what would be some of those other ways father i think with a sense of joy in their Uh lives uh, a sense of confidence and courage in following him uh, in dealing with some of the other things that have come along, some of the family challenges, like e- extended family challenges, and just some of the other things that they've felt, dealt with. Uh, the blessings in my sister and her family, who are, she and her hu- uh, husband and my brother-in-law are very strong in their faith and are raising six wonderful girls. Well, getting to be women now. <laughs> so that, and... Of course, I guess I would say, you know, ha- having a priest in the family, too. I don't say that in a personal way. I say that the, the blessing of that, because they have shared in that blessing for over 15 years now uh, of, of the blessing of, of priesthood. So in many other ways, I think God has, has really sustained them and does. And they're very much a part of my life today. So where was I? So, so they, they got married and they've you know, been happily married for over 50 years. Interestingly enough, can I keep going with family for just a bit? By all means. So they were not able to have children right away. Uh, in fact, I like to say that instead of getting the average of what they wanted, they got the difference. As a math guy, and I think that's from my dad's side too, one of them wanted five and the other wanted three kids. So instead of getting four, which would make sense, they got two. <laughs> but they had to work really hard. Uh-huh. <laughs> to get two of us. In fact, they were not able to for quite a while and they were getting to the point where they were probably going to adopt. Then my mom, as the one who had the great devotion to Mary all throughout her life, and especially to Our Lady of Perpetual Help, was doing a, I think she said a 30-day novena to Our Lady of Perpetual Help. And it was either right at the conclusion of that novena or somewhere right around there that they discovered she was pregnant with my sister. Wow. Jury. And, right. So Mary's hand was in there in the family. So then after that, like, well, we don't have to adopt now. And 
then a couple years later, I came along, and I guess, I don't remember this, of course I don't remember, but apparently the labor was so intensive, mom says she was up in the hospital for several days, just praying and reading scripture, literally 24-7 for a few days, until I finally decided to come out. And uh, after that, I think they said, okay, we're done. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> this guy is going to be rough. Uh, so, and that, but it's interesting, some of the things that happened, like my pastor came up, good old Father Jim. We just all knew him as Father Jim. Saintly man. He came to the hospital, blessed my mom, blessed me. And apparently he blessed me as an altar boy, a choir boy, and as a priest. And wouldn't you know it, I would become all three. I would be an altar boy for many years, and I would go on to get dual, get involved with a lot of things in music, including singing in the choir for a time, and then obviously to become a priest now. So that's a little bit about my family, and they are still very supportive, obviously, and my sister's very supportive of me as being a priest, and that makes so much difference. You know, the, along the way, I've met a number of priests that Many of them do have the support of their families, but some, like I remember guys in seminary, some of them actually faced being ostracized by their families or cut off in certain way because of, of the choice that they were making. So I've been very fortunate and blessed to have the full support of my family all throughout and still have it. So That's a huge blessing. It, it is an absolute you're a product of love, a huge. loving home. I am, yes, and you know that's right. And even as a kid, this is something I'll share too, that we had a, a happy, joyful home. It wasn't perfect, no home was, but it was one in the neighborhood. Where it was one of those, those times when we were out running around all the time, making up our own fun. And ours was a home that was open, that other kids in the neighborhood felt safe. Like they could come here and, and it was fine. Mom was all usually always around. I mean, she did work later on, but outside the home, but she was usually there and would take care of us. But as, as I got older, I would realize there was a lot of unhappy things going on in some other homes. And won't get into all that. But I realized, you know, I really was blessed to have a happy home. So, and, we're blessed and still do. We're blessed to have you, Father. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're, Thank just you. tuning, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Father David Austin, who is the pastor at St. Mary's Parish in McHenry County. He's telling us a little bit about his uh, family life, and when we come back after the break, we'll hear about his vocation story. We'll be right back. example of a false sense of security? How about relying on the life insurance you get through work to pay for all of your final expenses? Do you have plans to retire someday? Or do you plan on working for that company for the rest of your life? The fact is, you may lose your life insurance when you leave a company. I'm Matt Tomlinson from Catholic Financial Life, and I invite you to share your hopes and dreams with me. To discuss your options for protecting your family, call me at 847-548-MATT. That's 847-548-6288. Products and services not available in all states. 
Hello, I'm Bill Wennington from the Church of St. Mary's and the Chicago Bulls. I, I believe Catholic Radio is important for all of us out there listening to help us through days when maybe our faith is being challenged by many different obstacles that are put in our way. And it's a chance to reflect and just think and hear stories from other people that maybe are going through the exact same issues that we are going through and how they have struggled and how they are getting through their problems today. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is committed to bringing quality Catholic programs to our local community. We only can do that with your financial support. Take a moment now to donate online at wsfiradio.org or mail your tax-deductible donation to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. That's WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. Donations of any amount are greatly appreciated. Well, hello and welcome back. I'm your host, Angela Tomlinson, and welcome to this episode of WSFI Spotlight. Our guest today, you've been listening to the voice of Father David Austin, and Father is the pastor of St. Mary Church in McHenry County. Oh, McHenry, the city of McHenry. Yes. McHenry. So welcome back, Father. Before the break, you were telling us about your family life growing up. Yes. Uh, could you share with us a little bit about how you became a priest? I will. I would, would love to talk about that now. So let's get back to the uh, the family my mom and dad planted those seeds and walked with us down that road of faith from the beginning we had uh, music in the home christian music classical music as well that was a good place to be so i went to schools i went to public schools in rockford neighborhood schools uh, other schools elsewhere in the town I did not go to Catholic schools. Sometimes people find that interesting that yes. I did not that I did not go to any Catholic schools, especially since my mom went to Catholic school. Well, just the long and short of it is is that my sister, a couple years ahead of me, she started out in a Catholic school, and then just at that time, and believe me, I love the Catholic school system, part of what I am in now. But at that time, they were not able to really provide all the intellectual rigor that my sister needed. Uh, and so she was actually getting bored and getting into trouble because that's what happens when, when you're not being properly challenged. So she was taken out of there and put into a local school that really was able to challenge her in the best way. So I would follow along a different school. I remember going to Walker School in Rockford and then coming back to my neighborhood school. And then later on, the middle school and high school in Rockford, Wilson Middle, and then Auburn High School that had the because you would call it like the accelerated programs, the things that were able to challenge all of us smarties, you know, smart Alex, <laughs> maybe we were, uh, but uh, things like that. So God gifted us with the intelligence for that. And so they, my mom and dad wanted us to be in places where that, that could really be put to as much use as possible. So I was very gifted with math and detail and organization it's interesting it's kind of ironic that that's some of what i struggle with today (laughs) (laughs) well we won't get into that i had a very highly detailed and organized mind i think i probably got that from both mom and dad i accelerated it in math to the point where i remember my junior year i was taking calculus and that's the end of it because just it got too hard at that point and uh, so i was very gifted with that but somewhere actually very early on what am i saying i was like four or five my parents took me to a, it was the Yamaha Music School in Rockford. Oh, actually, before that, let me back up. This is, some, this is a cute story. So they had a piano in the home. My mom was playing something on the piano, 
and I'm a little boy, maybe three or four, I walk down, come down the hall, and I go up to her and say, Mom, you're not playing the right notes. Really? <laughs> so I guess I didn't quite have the discretion you know, to, to, to do it. You just say, okay, I'll just let that go. I just like, okay, Mom. Uh, something's off here. So they they so knew. Were you right, Father? What's that? Was was that correct that she wasn't playing? I, well, yeah, of course it was. Why would I say it if it wasn't correct? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so they said, you know what? Maybe this kid's got something here. We got to do something with. So they enrolled me into a music school, Yamaha Music School, and that's just like a whole other world just opened up. A whole universe opened up for me. And so I would I would then get into piano lessons, and I would take piano lessons basically all the way through college maybe not as much in high school things got really busy but so that's that's where I developed was trained in music then somewhere a couple years later I started pounding on tables and beating on things I'm like okay so now he's learning piano we got to do something else to keep to to keep him from beating up all of our stuff so I started playing drum. Oh. So I got the drum. So yeah, right. So that's everybody's. Uh, that's every, a mother's every, dream. Yeah, dream. Yeah, we're like nightmare. <laughs> so we threw him down in the threw me down into the cellar and let me have at it there. But interestingly enough, I would bring that gift, gift. I would bring that into the church, back in the glory and praise days, right? The St. Louis Jesuits. So I I like to tell people that I actually played drums in church for a couple of years. Right. It was a good experience. The people there were wonderful. Many of them have passed on, but the group that we played with, and it was a, that was an important part of my formation, too. You know, I did well in school, for the most part, and things were kind of rolling along. Fast forward then into high school, I think what we all did, we all deal with the angst and all the ups and downs, emotions and hormones and all that stuff, the social pressures, all those things in, in high school, some more than others. I was, a, I was fine, I think, socially. I don't think I really cared a whole lot. I think once my eyes were opened a bit, and I was seeing a lot of the other things going on, and it's like, you know, this is, it was hard to make sense of a lot of things, like like a lot of people. Plus, plus, physiologically, I was dealing with something called hypoglycemia. And I like to tell people, you know, it's, we say, like the faith and reason stuff, you know, like the, the science and, and the physical, very connected with the spiritual because what I was going through was affecting my outlook on myself what was happening basically was my body was burning everything up so fast that I was getting tired I was getting drowsy in the afternoon so I wasn't able to focus properly in the afternoons and this was like sophomore going into junior year and so basically I was starting to plummet in terms of my production in terms of quality of work just in terms of caring about things and it really was, was, was getting pretty rough. I had to get some counseling for that. But then my mom as the nurse said, you know, maybe we need to look at this part of it. And so I had what's the glucose test, which basically then showed what needed to be done. So we started to correct the diet and then they got a little bit better. But that helped me because, you know, sometimes we, we say there's, thing, there's things wrong with me, like as a person. Yes. When it's just something, with, something that's, that's off with our body. That was a very important lesson. Were and you it, relieved, Father? Were you relieved? Hugely. Yes. Hugely relieved. Now, I was, I was still struggling with a couple of my classes, and there was one I would actually have to end up taking summer school because I just <laughs> kind of gave up. So I dealt with that. A couple of the things that happened, too, is I, I got involved with a group. It's a, it's a non-denominational Christian group called Young Life. And I would say they really helped to save me during that time. 
because the, the the church I went to, the Catholic Church, didn't really have like a youth group. I said I was involved in, in that the band, and that was that was a good thing. But this is something more. You hear witness stories. You, you talk about the scripture. We took a couple of trips. Like we had one trip where we went out to the Black Hills area, South Dakota, and I remember an experience out there, just being up on a mountain, opening up the scriptures and, and reading through Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, and just the 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 notion of God's love washing over me in a way I don't know that I'd ever experienced that before. Uh, not so much the sacramental way, but just in the idea of, wow, God really does love, love me. That was, that was uh, an epiphany. You mean love you in a personal way? In a personal way, yeah. And, you know, I grew up with that, like I said. So, but I needed to, to have these personal experiences like this especially because i was i was doubting and looking down on myself at the same time i also am having some experiences in high school where where my my gifts and abilities are able to really come to fruition with music so i was involved in all of the school musicals i was always on demand or in demand for that because i I was probably the only one who would be willing to be there every day for the rehearsals uh, to do that and so i was involved in in, in basically all the bands. I mean, the marching band, you know, symphonic band, jazz band. I played piano and jazz band. Percussion. Uh-huh. So I took that drummer stuff and, and put into the, the bands. And and then I got uh, involved in theater a little bit, too. So that's, and that's coming to play. Yes. <laughs> well, sure. Right. <laughs> I could be a little little bit theatrical and dramatic, perhaps. Well, you're entertaining. Uh, but I would say you're very entertaining. You're entertaining to listen to. Thank you. You, you perform, which is wonderful. Well, I, I, thank you. I, I think all of us probably develop that a little bit. I mean, being on stage, then, yes, I think I got it. Um, anyway, so I did a lot of things with music. Like I said, that Christian group was really important for me in terms of that sense of Christian community, that communio, koinonia bringing that into my life but also just the worth of everything that i had learned with my skills that all coming to a head i was i was chosen as an all to be part of an all-state band and all-state jazz band and i had to choose one so i took the jazz band because that was more fun also i was in a group my senior year where the 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 show the play that we had performed was chosen to go to all-state so to act to perform Wow. So it was a anyway a number of things like this that really highlighted so much so much uh, like a lot of triumph. I was given a special award too my senior year that that I think only one person I don't know if in the city or in the school was given. It's called the Mendelssohn Award, What's which after? named after the musician Felix Mendelssohn, the composer, someone who's had an impact musically in the community. So I did a lot of things musically at the high school, but also beyond that, uh, I helped at other churches, other places, and they just. They, my mom looks back and says, I wish we would have gotten a copy of that. So some of the stuff, some of the hard things I dealt with, and socially too. Because I, I, I did, and I started to look down at myself, and like, I just, I don't know that I can be like everybody else. Because there was so much competition in high school. I didn't, I didn't, I couldn't keep up with it, and I also didn't want to. But then at the same time, I'm like, Man, there must be something wrong with me because I don't want to keep up with all this. So I had to learn through some of these other things I'm sharing, something else that God necessarily wasn't concerned about all that. You know, he wanted me to be the person that he had made me to be. So anyway, so I graduate high school. Can I move on a little bit in college? Yes, indeed. Okay. Now, a whole world opens up in college, like for everybody. I was excited to go down to NIU. So I auditioned for the music school and I made it there. Interestingly enough, though, for all the the fun that I had with, with jazz, I was in the jazz band in high school for three years. 
participated in the Allstate Jazz Band. I'm thinking, man, this is probably the way I'm going to go. I auditioned for the the jazz program at NIU, and I'd flat. <laughs> Like, I couldn't even remember how to play. I think the, the guys who were there, like, this, what is this? What is this goofball? He doesn't know anything about what he's doing. But, and it really, it was, a, it was a demoralizing thing for me. I'm like, why couldn't I even really do much? But it also showed me, maybe I wasn't quite as good as I thought I was, right? But also, I would have to look back on that and see, you know, that was a, that was a catalyst <laughs> to end up pushing me in a different direction. So I would go on to to study music. So I had all the music classes, all that sort of thing, and I would I had piano lessons. So that that was still my focus there. But I ended up getting into a lot of other things. Like I was in a part of a steel drum band. Oh wow! Oh, so much fun. Yeah. I like to say it's 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 like an organ on garbage cans. Because they they t- <laughs> anyway, I won't get into all that stuff. But it was so much fun for three years to be a part of that and. Uh, a little bit i remember going to atlanta to perform there and uh, but i so i was in choirs i was in bands i just the the experience of that was wonderful i i will always recommend and again and again i don't i don't have the experience of college seminary but i would always recommend again you want to be you know careful where you choose to go and that whole sort of thing too because with colleges today but to have something of that kind of experience you know um there were the, some of the other things too. Like I got it. I was in part of a, a music fraternity, so we had a number of interesting experiences being a part of, of that. But <laughs> it's part of the coming of age and growing up. But what really, where my vocation really comes in, because again, people ask, well, where did you know, or when did you know, right? You were being called to be a priest. Uh, let me back up here first and say the pastor I grew up with, who I've already mentioned, Father Jim. He once he didn't ask me. He said to me, he said, so when are you going to become a priest? Remember, I said earlier, he had blessed me as a priest when I was newborn. He said, so when do you become a priest? I think I just brushed it off, saying, well, what do you mean? Never. <laughs> I don't know that I said anything. This is where there's like a hundred different things I could say, but let me just try to highlight a few things. Again, soul searching, because I was a part of the um, a music community. I really was, and it was a fun thing to be a part of. And we would do, we would have these things like where we'd go to little house parties, you know, like the, all the music club would get together. We'd, from one of those experiences, I, li- I actually, I liked the dancing part. I really did because we were getting into some of the, like the funk and dance music and stuff. But I remember leaving from one of those, going back to my dorm, thinking, what, what in the world is this all about? It doesn't make any sense. It was that beacon, right? I knew it was the light of Christ in me. It was the Holy Spirit coming out saying, what? This, this isn't working. So I had been invited to, to come and to be a part of the Catholic Student Center at Northern Illinois there to, first of all, to be a part of the choir because that, that was the hook that brought me in, right? To be a part of the choir, to be a part of the 9 o'clock mass on Sunday night there, which was largely for college students. It was a lot of fun. Now, 9 o'clock mass, I'm like, no way. I couldn't do that now. Nine at night. Nine at night. Nine yeah, not in the morning. We're talking ah. nine o'clock at night. Yeah. So that's prime time for college students. So I was invited to be a part of that. After a while, I would become the pianist there. So for a couple of years, I played the piano there. Little by little, this is how God works. Sometimes he bitch, so, smacks you over the head. Sometimes it's that gentle breeze. Like, 
like with Isaiah, Elijah, excuse me, up on the mountain, that gentle breeze where he sensed God's presence. It's that gentle inviting little by little by little by little and how things just sort of come together. So I ended up playing for the masses there for a couple of years. And at the same time, you know, I'm getting involved with things there. They were just starting up a retreat program at Northern at NIU, which they were calling NIK, which is sort for Northern Illinois Koinonia, Koinonia for community, the Greek word. And so this is a retreat program they were starting. And so I, I, I believe I went on the first one and it was a great experience. So I'd had retreats in high school, but this was now a Catholic oriented retreat. So it brought in more of the Catholic thing. And I remember a, a talk on that retreat about confession or sacraments, you know, signs and sacraments. And something with that hit me. And so I remember uh, I was home on one of the breaks and I, I just said something like, you know, I think I'm going to go to confession. I think Mom and Jay like, huh? Because at this point, it had been quite a while. Not that I had said I'm not going, but it just, it's not something I really thought about. And so anyway, so I go, and it had been probably five or six years, and I had a lot of weight of stuff. And I had a lot of sin, but I had a lot of weight of stuff, a lot of the angst. Well, uh, you know, again, a lot of the, the personal struggle of really kind of figuring out who I am and poured all that out. <laughs> The poor priest, I never met him and I never saw him again. But he was so gentle and he, he said something that I've used to people who have come to me a number of times. He said, maybe you don't want to wait so long until next time. And I haven't. So since then, it's been probably every month or two months or so or a couple weeks or whatever it turns out to be. Sacraments are coming in now. I think it was my sister who introduced me to Eucharist Adoration. That was not, uh, I got a good credit to my parents. They probably did. But I remember having an experience in college at the other parish down the road of adoration. I'm like, oh, that's neat. Uh, this is before it was getting really big as it is now, before many of the Eucharistic chapels were built. And so that was starting to come in. I started going to Mass during the week, not just on Sunday night, but now during the week. You know, So here's a young man with a number of these older people. But there were a few college students, brothers. So little by little, God's hitting me. Um, my mom, again, great devotion to Mary, a true devotion to Mary, I would say. She gave me a book. She said, I want you to read this little book. It was St. Louis de Montfort's Secret of the Rosary. Oh, one of the all-time so, classics. Uh, all-time classic. Yes. I would hand them out to everybody if I could. Yes. And that book changed me. I started after that believing in the rosary, uh, believing in Mary and her role. And I started praying the rosary every day. I mean, I was very diligent. I mean, it was fervent. Because I, again, I was questioning all this, what am I supposed to do? You know, I'm still pursuing my music degree, but I'm having other experiences that are sort of like, kind of coming, coming up against that. Like, well, wait a minute, this is maybe not what I'm supposed to be doing. Did and- you suspect, Father, Did you suspect at that time that you were being called to the priesthood? Did it cross your mind? I don't know when it actually hit, to be honest with you. You um, were just being drawn in. I was just, like I said, just being, yeah, right, like, like a, Like right. a vortex. I was going to use the word like a vortex or, <laughs> yeah, or like a, a tractor beam or something, just being yeah. sucked in. Yeah. Help! <laughs> but there was a, uh, the pastor there at the time, if I have to give due credit to priest, I mentioned Father Jim growing up. I also have to mention Monsignor Ray Wall, who's, who's deceased. He was then a priest at my home parish. 
he well, he was one of these guys who took priest under his wing and said, okay, you're thinking about becoming a priest. You're going to become a priest. <laughs> he gave me a book that he wrote called Happy Being a Priest, which, I mean, imagine that, Happy Being a Priest. I that's, love it. That's, it's just a, a simple book, simple title, but such an important message in a time today when, when so many things in the priesthood now, so many challenges, that's what it comes down to, being happy. And I needed to read that. I needed to hear that. I also needed a, a bigger experience of church. He would take, well, he took tours. This is Monsignor Wall. He took tours to Rome uh, almost every year. Well, yeah, he he paid my way, so I'm like, why would I not go? So with, with the group, there were also a couple of seminarians at that time who were on that trip and other folks. Uh, and actually another priest who's now part of the support group that I'm in now. Anyway, so that experience of church opened up so many things. The 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 awesome spectacle of the Vatican, all that, just to soak all that in, to become a part of something bigger, to see it firsthand. So he helped, he really kind of put that piece in. But now back to the, to the college environment, uh, Father Steve, we all call him. Now he's Monsignor Knox, right? Monsignor Steve Knox, who actually is a native of McHenry. St. Patrick, but that's okay. You know, he can come from there too. Uh, he was the priest there, a young priest, and he was the first priest that I really saw that related to the young people really well like this. I mean, they teased him. They had all kinds of fun things they did, or we did, because I was a part of it. But I would actually get direction from him regularly. It just sort of happened. What Again, kind of direction, spiritual direction. So just to help me out, and then I think in all of this, I'm starting to think, okay, maybe this is what you know I need to do. So I've mentioned Mary, I've mentioned Eucharist, I've mentioned the role of priest, family. Here's something very interesting. So sometimes people ask me, I said, Father, did you ever date? So well, I never like really seriously dated anybody. I mean, in high school, I experienced prom and dances and that, but I never really. I mean, I had girls I hung out with a little bit. I was sort of a hopeless romantic, which is part of the problem I got myself into, right? That's because of your father. <laughs> that's because your father falling in love with his mother. I think that's probably it. Yes. Yeah, so anyway, we'll get into all that. But those no are kind of those are kind of fun stories. But there was a a young woman that I was really getting to know well. She was a part of the Newman environment. In fact, we had we were a part of that retreat experience together, and then later we would actually work together in helping to put on a, a retreat following that. And uh, shout out to my friend Claire, so who's happily married and has a family of her own. But uh, I, we, we we would hang out for a while together. But anyway, so it, at one point, <laughs> it's sort of like. So, okay, Claire, I need to talk to you. So we, we come into one of the, the rooms there at the, at the Newman Center, you know, private room. So basically, like, pledging my love to her, sort of. But then at the same time, say I'm conflicted. Yeah. Said, you know, I mean, we talk. You know that some of these experiences, you shared some of them with me. And you know that there's something going on here. I feel like maybe, though, I need something else. But I don't know. I said, I love you. I don't know if I said that or not. I don't know if I, I don't remember what I said. But I remember that she was just... She was a very gentle, calm kind of person. She was just, I, mean, I could tell this really hit her. But she was one that said, no, I think you got to go. And of course, I wanted her to say, no, stay. <laughs> no, but she helped me to, to, to say that. I think, you know, this, this really makes sense. I think everything happened and you need to do this. Okay. Thanks a lot. <laughs> no, but that's sometimes you just need to hear that. A lot of interesting stuff happened there. I've shared some of it with you, but you know, college ended up on a on a strong note. Again, there was some times in there that got pretty down. I remember being in my dorm room bed, just just sort of crying and 
trying to open up the scriptures like, okay, Lord, I don't know anything of what's going on here. My life doesn't make a, a single bit of sense. Again, this he's very gentle. And which is, I think, why I try to be gentle as a shepherd. Not always, but I do try to be. Because I know he's been gentle with me and just really, and merciful, just bringing all these things together to help me see where things go. Let me mention this. As a little boy, I've always loved puzzles. I still love puzzles and games. Very complex board games, stuff like that. In fact, I have a group that we sometimes play games with, uh, like on a Sunday or Saturday night. But anyway, so all the complexities and pieces and seeing how it all fits together and the strategy and all that. It took a while, but it's like one of those things where you could see, okay, I don't, there's something here, something here, something here, something here. Oh, and all of a sudden you kind of look back and say, well, this is what it is. At the same time, I was still finishing my time there at college, so I would do that. And I would give my senior recital, which is one of those really high points of my life, to give my senior recital. Of course, all my family and friends and everybody was there to support me with that. I graduated from college, 97, there, so I gave a, I gave a, a year. And then I take a trip out to the seminary because then I, I, now I make making connections with the church, like, you know, the diocese. And so we, we get that going and say, yeah, let's, we'll send you out there for a which, couple of days. Seminary, Mount St. Mary's Mount Seminary. Saint I was given the opportunity at that time of going to Mundelein. Yeah, I was oh, excuse me, <laughs> locally. And yeah. we do have a lot of guys that have gone there and do go there now, but I was given that opportunity as, as well as going to Mount St. Mary. And I'd always been fairly local, like being in DeKalb or, or Rockford. So, and I, I knew some guys that went out to the Mount. I thought, well, let's just, let's go out. Let's go see the world a little bit. First, little did I know Mary was drawing me because I go out there and it's Mary's Mountain, right? So it's a beautiful setting there along the, the I don't know if it's part of the Appalachians. I forget what, what, what ridge of mountains is there in uh, Maryland going on into Virginia and that. Just, just very lovely setting. Like I was telling you earlier, Emmitsburg is the burial place of Mother Seton, St. Elizabeth Ann Seton. So it's it's holy her. ground. In fact, they they tell you this is the this is the rock <laughs> where Mother Seton would come and teach catechism. Wow. It's just like oh wow, you know, amazing things like that. But so there was a there's a shrine of Our Lady of Lords there up up in the hills, and people come from all over to come to this shrine of Our Lady of Lords. You've got the big pool there for the water, and then there's the walk through Rosary and all of that, and then there's this huge statue, huge tower, pillar, and then on top is this large gold statue of Mary that lights up at night. And you can see it from all over. In fact, now the government funds it, I believe, because Camp David is, is just right around the corner. I won't say where, because it's private. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't, but at don't. least that lady's looking over after well, Camp David. Well, and that's interesting to think about. Yeah, yeah, there's a whole other story with that, too. But anyway, so I go there, and so here I am venturing into a big world. I step into this place and think, oh, this... This is home. I mean, I was so far away from home. It's as far as I had traveled in the country. But it felt, immediately felt like home. Because I knew then, you know, she was calling me there. I'll kind of fast forward through seminary. Should I just go ahead and say sure. a couple things there? So, What was the experience like for you at seminary? Well, first of all, for me, it was six years because I was, uh, yeah, I took a little more prodding, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> a little more forming. It, uh, you know, it was a good experience. It, it really was. It's interesting. You, you feel like, I kind of look back at that now. You think you're like in a big fishbowl. hundred and some guys in this. It wasn't a huge building. In fact, when I got there, there were, there were still, a, you had some roommates, you know, because of that situation. But they built a larger wing, and then we each had our own room, which is the best way. 
because um, sometimes you you know you can room you can be a roommate with your best friend become their worst enemy. <laughs> <laughs> but the the experience was a good one. I am very grateful for that experience of everything that I learned there of of the brothers. Uh, we we really did have uh, a brotherhood there. That that was the part for really growing and anticipating uh, being a part of the priesthood. Did you make friendships and, there, Father? Yes, I did. Yeah, you know it's interesting how we we get involved in ministry, and and I will admit for myself, I don't reach out as much as I as I probably should to some of my brothers, classmates, that kind of thing. But we all kind of dig in where we're at. You know, we bloom where we're planted. Right. And sometimes it's it's hard to keep up with that. But I have a support group of priests here in Rockford that we get together about every month if we can. And of course, the brothers here in, in Rockford, many of whom did go to the Mount. And in my class in 2003, there were 11 of us that were ordained wow. that year. Most of us did attend the Mount. So we did have kind of a big group. Uh, that particular year. Love that experience. And I, what I look back probably more so on is some of the pastoral experiences. Let me just share a couple of things. Sure. So the, like the field assignments. One of them was giving tours at the National Shrine oh. of Our Lady of the Immaculate Conception. Just a, just a great place to be. I remember my family even came out once to give a tour. That was fun. I love that sort of thing. And probably that's part of the theater part, I guess. You know, here's this and all this. And it's just an incredible place but also very different experience of helping with the, um, the sisters, the missionaries of charity, Mother Teresa's order. They have a place in Washington, D.C. called Gift of Peace. They help take care of some AIDS patients, but they also were, were taking care of homeless people. When we went there on a day, we would help with the different things they were doing with the homeless people. And that's where I had experience like helping to, get, to take care of folks in different ways and seeing that very simple way. To, that will always stick with me. You know, the hard work and dedication, prayerfulness of the nuns, but also the silliness. I mean, you get them together, they could be really fun too. And also, but there was another experience I had as a deacon. So, you know, the year before I was ordained a priest, sent to a parish in southeastern Washington, D.C., which is a little bit of a rough neighborhood. Uh, in fact, my car got broken into the second week I was there, and people said, oh, yeah, that was just kind of an initiation. I, now you're welcome to the community. I'm like, okay, is that how it's going to be? <laughs> but it was a, a predominantly African-American parish, Catholic parish, you know, and so it was a completely different experience of what I had of church. You know, when we try to do, when I say we, I mean, we white folks try to do spiritual gospel stuff. We can't do it justice like they do. Uh, it's just something about the culture that it, it just, it, it's part of who they are. But that, the preaching there, it's interactive preaching. So the, the priest there said, just beware, they're going to respond. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, amen. How, I mean, the stuff that we joke about, but it's. But they're engaged. Stuff. They're engaged. They're engaged, and, involved. Well, right. I mean, we might say, oh, you know, a little bit more emotional, that kind of thing. But there, there was something very powerful with it. It's another way of worship. I've had many different experiences of, of worship. I'm very quiet and contemplative, too. You know, more of the more uh, sensational, I guess. All kinds of things that are very real and powerful. Those are probably maybe more of what I hang on to more from my seminary experience as well as the fraternity, the brotherhood. And uh, I am very grateful to the rectors. First, it was Mons the late Monsignor Volchen, I believe, and then Monsignor Rhodes, who's now Bishop Rhodes, I think in Harrisburg, uh, for all their leadership there and for all the 
advisors, everybody who helped me out during that time, and gave me all the the formation. It is interesting. I look back on that. The the big document that we were always going through back at that time was uh, John Paul II's Pastorari Stable of Obis. You know, it's like the Bible of spirit of priestly formation, and you know, the human pastoral, intellectual, spiritual formation, trying to keep all that balanced. And the seminary, there is obviously such a focus on the intellectual in terms of what you're learning, and then of course the spiritual, all the prayer. Uh, well, they, they emphasize everything. There was sometimes a, a challenge to balance all of that. But I think, though, that was that would help me to see later on, I'm going to have to keep a balance in my ministry, to keep the balance of all those things. And so I do try to keep a balance. I have, in my life as a priest, I have a number of different hobbies that I think help to keep balance. Before I talk a little bit about my experience as a priest, I'd like to just summarize a little bit here of, well, a couple of things with college and seminary. Going into college, I thought I was going to be a big hotshot performer. You know, it was kind of looking like that. I, I had that gift and I thought that's where I was going to head. You know, I had all these grandiose ideas graduating high school, big star. And, you know, sort of that's, that's the big carrot, I guess, you know. But uh, that wasn't what God wanted for me. So that's, I think, why, why, why he allowed me to experience the lowness a couple of times. I don't know if I'd say depression, but just sort of like a disillusionment of where I was heading in life. And I saw other other people that were like in drugged out stupors that he's like, they have such great talent and they're going nowhere. It's like they're wasting away. And I think it was all, all part of God showing me, he said, no, I've got something else for you. And he did. And then I shared some things with seminary. I, what I'd like to say though, it wasn't all smooth sailing. Seminary was very challenging. It certainly was, but one of the thing I'd mentioned uh, a gal from college that I that I really liked, and she helped to keep me steered in the right direction. But in seminary, I started to think back at one point, and I don't remember exactly when it was, but I thought back to another young lady. Uh, shout out to my friend Jen, who, who knows who she is. I started to think back to and and think, you know, she really was a nice young lady. We had a lot of experience together in college, and we we just really clicked in some ways. We didn't, we didn't date, but I just started looking back to, well, I wonder, like you start to think the grass is greener over here or something. And I remember coming home on one of the breaks and going to visit her and talking to her about, about what I'm, what I was experiencing here, just trying to sort through. Again, that's probably the hopeless romantic in me, trying to work through all this. And I remember she had told me, see, she was a youth minister. And I remember she, she didn't say quite like the other girl does, like, you know, you got to do this. But she said, you know, I just, I know she was kind of moved with what I told her, but she said, you know, recently I met a young man who was a youth minister, and I really think he's going to be the one for me. So we're sort of like, bam. <laughs> but I don't want it to sound like, oh, okay, that didn't work either, so I guess, okay, I guess it's now the priesthood that's left for me. But no, the uh, priesthood obviously was where the Lord wanted me, and that's where I have found my most happiness, because that's where he wanted me. But I needed that sort of smack over the head, not not literally, but I needed that. Well, do you to, find, Father, sometimes the door closes for a reason? You know, it does. It does. It closes for a it reason. It does. You may have to meander around a while to find yeah. the other one that's open, but there is always something else that's open. That's right. So anyway, so that helped confirm, okay, keep going, finish this off. And that's where I, you know, I, I had some spiritual attacks along the way, too. I experienced some of that that I think a lot of my brothers have gone through, and I think parents, particularly mothers, 
of priests and seminarians go through. So I am sensitive to some of that because I've experienced some of it and I know others have all that to try to, you know, again, the evil of one trying to keep us away from doing the Lord's work. So, all right, I was ordained then, May 17, 2003, one of the happiest of my life. I would certainly say that. It really was. Sometimes we'll say that an ordination is like a wedding. In many ways it is. You know, complete with the white, <laughs> white gowns and even the party. Not quite the same. You know, not all the dancing and stuff, at least for me. The prime rib and all that good stuff. But it really was to, to, to lay there prostrate and just the whole community loosen us up. It really was. Of all the pictures and all that stuff, the memories and all that to, to remind me. So I have had several experiences in parishes. I was an associate for four years. And let me just give a shout out to those two parishes that I was. I want to do that now. The St. Catherine of Siena in Dundee. And, uh, you know, they, they'll say that there's always a special place in our hearts as priests for our first parish. It's like our first love, so to speak. And I was reminded of that recently when I just I ran across somebody from the parish that I got to know well. So that's where I, as I've told people, I said, took the idea of praying, being a priest, like the ideal, if you will, of the priesthood, and it became real. The real life day-to-day experience of celebrating the Mass, of resolving people of sins, you know, the, those great moments, the, the greatest moments of, of all, uh, celebrating the moments of baptism, of communes and marriages, and being with people when they're passing this world and with the families. Do you remember um, your first event, like your first confession or your first marriage or your first baptism? Well, it was probably, it seems like every parish I've gone to, like immediately you have a funeral. I don't know, like it always, <laughs> like, I guess they're dying to see me. Uh, <laughs> I, so I seem to remember something like that, like, Ugh, okay, we just got to jump into this. Okay, folks, I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah, first blessing, I remember being asked to bless something that was kind of odd. I'm like, okay. All right. Yeah, it was. It was like one first after another, first this, first that. But it it, it was so much fun. Uh, and people say, oh, you're such a young, because I was 27 oh. when I was, you know, I have a little bit of gray now, maybe not too much, but I didn't have any gray then, and uh, a little bit smaller than I am now. But you were young, 27, showing up in the Paris. Right. <laughs> right. Oh, here we go. Here comes this guy. The ears, you know what's interesting, though? There was, there was a gentleman, and God bless him for saying this. You know, I didn't like the way he said it at the time, but I looked back and say it was what I needed to hear. He said, yeah, you guys you're, you guys always coming in here. You think you're going to change the world. And um, <laughs> I think, well, you know what? I can look back and say there's a lot of truth to that. I know my mom has said, though, like as a young nurse, she felt the same way. Like, ah, we're learning all this stuff. Yeah. We've got it. We're ready to go. Boom, we're going to make it all happen. Well, then, yeah, you got to deal with the reality of the world. And But also, you know, our, our enthusiasm, ha- I think, has to be properly tempered, not, not stamped out, but I think put into the right direction, right? Channeled, if you will, the right way. But anyway, those were exciting three years that I was there. For us, it's typically three years as an associate before we're sent somewhere else. Uh, I was also part-time teaching at a high school in Elgin, St. Edwards in Elgin, where I learned baptism by fire <laughs> as being a high school religion teacher. And I look back on that, and because I hadn't had a teaching, you know, not in that way. You know, lesson plans and the discipline and all that stuff thrown into it and just to flounder there. You know what, though, that, I, again, I look back on it and say that was one of the, probably one of the best things to do is to throw me into that, even though I hated it. But I love the kids. I always liked the kids and tried to be creative, you know, using as much as my background to bring in, you know, all those types of things to make it as fun as possible for the kids. 
you know, again, to be faithful and, you know, teach the faith. It takes a lot of energy. It does take a lot of Well, yeah, and that's what the pastor would say. He's like, you know, you go there in the afternoon, you come back, and then you're just exhausted. It's like, yeah. As I'm kind of shot for the for the evening, yeah. so it, it it did it make it made it a little bit of a challenge, but that was one of the most important things I think for me to experience. But to get to know so many of the families there, to be part of the grade school, St. Catherine Grade School, so so many different things. And even what's just funny is I never talked about athletics at all because I was never an athlete. I did swim for two years in high school, which was pretty demanding. And I was a good bowler, but I wouldn't say that takes, takes a lot of athletic ability to be a bowler, at least not, not cardio. Depends on how hard you throw the ball, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but what's funny is I, I actually, I remember this too very fondly. St. Catherine had a track team, or cross-country team, excuse me. And just such the nicest kids, the greatest group of kids. In fact, when they would do a, a race, they, like the first kids that finished, they would go back and they would help the other kids who were farther, beh- farther behind finished the race they'd, they'd lead them in and that was so neat to see that that yeah. kind of stuff but I got involved a lot with the school and they appreciated so much and and I went out there and I actually ran some of the the practices and I'm not a runner I'm one of the worst runners because of the bull-legged stuff and some of the issues I've had with my, my legs even from as a kid but I did that and it was fun to be out there with them even ran the they called it the hill of death it's like this 45 degree angle hill or something you run up as fast as you can they made me an honorary coach. There you go. At, and they gave me a mug. I have the mug, right? <laughs> to say I'm an honorary cross-country coach. I still have it. It's faded, but I still have that. You know, the people are great everywhere. and But that's a special place, St. Catherine, those three years being a part of there. And I have to give a shout-out to Father Rich Wazinski, who was just a great pastor, helped me to appreciate the gift of priesthood, the joy of the priesthood. Uh, really, really special time. Then I was sent to carry to Saints Peter and Paul and carry a large parish of about know, maybe about 3,000 families or so. And then it was kind of a whirlwind. So I was in and out because I was only there a year. They had a school, so I got involved with the school and um, different things. I will say one of the, they did a, a variety show with the school. And actually it was a parish variety show I think they did. And uh, so this is one of those opportunities where we priests can get involved and stuff like that. So. I studied piano, and I've done all kinds of different styles of piano. So there was a gentleman in the parish. I'm just calling this back to mind. Uh, he said, "Why don't we do this thing where we dress up as Elvis?" So it's we, Elvis? so yeah, as Elvis. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. So we went to the store <laughs> and local costume store, or whatever, and got the Elvis costumes, all the whole bit. Got some uh. scarves too, and so he played guitar and I played keyboard. So we did the unbelievable Elvis twins, uh. and it was a riot. And we started throwing out the scarves, and we played several different songs, and it was it was such such fun. Um, these are the types of, of just kind of real experiences that are are very endearing for all of us, for myself and for the people. I will I need a shout out to well shout out he's in heaven now I'm sure, but to uh, Monsignor Bill Clausen. Almost every night I would have dinner with Father Bill because he he was recently retired at that time and was helping out at the parish, and. Uh, Father Bill had been involved in AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, for many years and helped to save many people's lives through that, including many priests. And uh, we just had some great talks. He just, he was such a real, just just a lovable man, gentle, and helped me love the priesthood that much more. And I really miss him a lot. He shared just me some of the insights about with addictions and all that stuff too, which is a very important part of our ministry as well. This has been WSFI Spotlight, 
For more information on this or any other program, email info at wsfiradio.org.